Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League podcast. Welcome to Thursday's Football Social Daily. Only two days now until Premier League action comes back into full focus. But for now, the spotlight is still firmly on the off-field factors at Newcastle United. Seven days now since the takeover deal was done. And to the surprise of some, Steve Bruce is still in situ. It feels a matter of time, though, before that changes and newspapers are already drumming up possible replacements. But it won't be Leicester City's Brendan Rodgers. The Foxes boss allegedly not keen on the top job at the tune, with suggestions he's instead holding out for the Manchester City job post Pep Guardiola, whenever that time may be. And continuing the managerial theme, new Watford gaffer Claudio Ranieri has claimed he can outlast Roy Hodgson and become the oldest ever Premier League manager. We take a look at some of the elder statesmen who have been in the dugout in years gone by. Plus, more international break madness as Manchester United, Manchester City and Liverpool all club together to fly players back from South America. We'll talk about that on today's Football Social Daily. Thanks for joining us. This is the only Premier League podcast with a new show each and every day of the season. I'm Niall McCorn and alongside me for today we have Marley Anderson. How are you doing, Marley? Good morning. Yep, still still wondering why Bruce is still in charge, but waiting for that announcement as we uh, as we talk through. Hopefully, it'll come during the podcast. I don't know. As long as it, <laughs> we as long said as that it comes. every day for the last week, yeah. <laughs> I don't mind when, but just soon. Seven days since the takeover, and still Steve Bruce is in position. We'll be talking about Brendan Rodgers and his link with the Newcastle United role, even though Steve Bruce hasn't been sacked yet but allegedly he wants the Manchester City job. So it's a good job we've got City fan Callum Tyler on the podcast as well today. How are you doing, Callum? I'm good, thanks. I'm just counting down to my own international break, which begins on Sunday when I finally get to go on holiday. <laughs> Where are you off to? Where are you going? Uh, going to Porto in Portugal. Oh, nice. I went to uh, I went to the Algarve this weekend, just gone, and it was very pleasant. So I hope you have a good time. Just, just for the weekend? And, uh, just... Just, just for the weekend, yeah. <laughs> a little, little quick what, jaunt away. What a jet set lifestyle you lead. <laughs> well, I didn't get to drink any port, so you might have a better chance of doing that in Porto than me. Uh, but enjoy it. But for now, we've got to discuss what's going on in the Premier League. And that includes this story that's come out from the Daily Mail over the last 24 hours or so. It involves Brendan Rodgers, who allegedly will reject any Newcastle United advances to become their new coach when Steve Bruce is ultimately dismissed because he's happy in his position as the manager of Leicester City. I'll start with you, Marley, because Newcastle is your team. We've already laughed about it, even in the first few minutes of the show, about Steve Bruce still being there. But is this is this much of a surprise on two folds? First of all, Newcastle United targeting a high-caliber manager in Brendan Rodgers. And second of all, that Brendan Rodgers isn't interested. Uh, no, I, I don't think there's much um, surprise about any of it, to be honest. I think, obviously, the... You know the new owners are going to go for as as big a, a name as they can and and realistic. And I think um, if you've got like a pie chart that says um, sort of not pie chart like a Venn diagram of realistic managers and big name managers, I think Brendan Rodgers sits in the middle of that where the two sort of circles cross. Um, so therefore, he's he's a good sort of fit. But uh, you know, I was thinking about this yesterday. I'm not sure why Brendan Rodgers would would leave. I think. The objective at Leicester right now is to break into the top four and get in the Champions League. He's come very, very close to that in the last two seasons, been denied on the last weeks of the season two times. Um, and if he came to Newcastle, I think it's the same sort of long-term strategy, but a few years 
like backwards because you know we're starting off where Leicester were probably five years ago um as in you know we haven't got a squad capable of reaching the top four consistently or the top six um or even the top eight right now so it's it'd be like a backward step okay the ceiling might be higher longer term but it would take you know you're talking six or seven years before Newcastle become a genuine sort of challenger and that's if everything goes swimmingly and goes well in the market and and things like that so I don't I don't sort of regret that he's that he's not interested I I understand why you wouldn't be interested especially as I think he's done enough of a good job at Leicester to prove that he's one of the best managers in the Premier League Um, and therefore if there's murmurings of Pep leaving in a couple of years at Man City which he probably will you seem like you know he's always a manager that leaves at the end of contracts you can always kind of see when he might um, when he might you know pack up and go somewhere else then you know he wants to be in that frame and he wants to be an, an as easy an option as he can be at that time which might be two years time so i feel like he's he's going to stay at Leicester and crack on if he gets in the Champions League it only strengthens his case for future jobs so fair play to him yeah i think this is an indication of the level of manager Newcastle are looking for we know Newcastle are going to be ambitious when it comes to their projects and their plans for the future but I agree with what you say, Marley. It, it doesn't feel quite like 2008 in terms of that City takeover. I think the Premier League is harder now. It's a tougher nut to crack in terms of breaking into that top eight, really, in, in, in the league. So I think it's certainly going to take maybe a little bit longer than some people realise. Or maybe it won't. Maybe it will be uh, done at a great pace, such as the intent of the new ownership at St. James's Park. But further reports in the newspaper claim that Brendan Rodgers isn't interested in Newcastle because he's actually holding out for the Manchester City job, Callum, for when Pep Guardiola leaves, whenever that might be. We know that he's mentioned he's probably going to leave in the next couple of seasons. And it's said that actually City are admirers of Rodgers and he's on a shortlist for the role. So do you think he would be a good fit at Manchester City when Pep leaves? Because they're going to be some serious shoes to fill. Uh, They are, yeah. I mean, it's not really a surprise that he's admired. They they kind of have made that between Pep and, and the executives there they've made that pretty public um kind of every time Rodgers gets a result against us in recent seasons so like there's there's plenty of quotes if you look them up like Pep Pep really admires him um I think the city kind of board really admire him he's actually on a short list alongside people like Nagelsmann so they obviously hold him in, in really high esteem and I think I think when Pep leaves I would imagine he will have a huge say in who takes over because this is a club that has kind of been rebuilt from the ground up in Pep's image um, so it would be very strange to go and get a, a manager who doesn't who doesn't believe in, in the, that way of playing. And again, Brendan Rodgers has also been laying on the flattery for a few seasons now as well. He says that he watches how Man City play and how they train and tries to copy him. Um, I have a bit of a funny relationship with Brendan Rodgers just because I obviously remember him at Celtic when he used to just make up stories all the time and he had a he has a real like David Brent vibe to him. Um, and it's quite it's quite funny for me to sort of see this guy who, to be honest, among my mates is a little bit of a joke, go down to England, do really well and just become like one of the most respected and sought after coaches. Um, but fair play to him. You know, his Leicester team are um, extremely good. They've punched still, I think, well above their weight. Um and yeah, he he totally deserves everything everything that's coming to him. Um, however, however strange his methods might be at times. Would you be happy with that? The relationship he has with Celtic fans is an interesting one because he did so well for them and was successful for them. But also, I think there are a few bitter supporters that he left to go down to Leicester at the time he did leave. In terms of whether he 
is someone you'd be happy to see follow on from Pep. You know, you look at David Moyes and taken over from Sir Alex Ferguson and it was almost like anyone who went in there was doomed to fail. And it feels like there might be a similar situation with Man City whenever Pep does eventually call time at the Etihad. But do you think that Brendan Rodgers is, is someone who City fans would accept as a possible replacement? I think the fans and the players are a slightly different question. I think the fans would maybe have the same... I don't know, maybe they wouldn't. I think I think a lot of fans would have the same kind of question marks as I would, where you kind of go, oh, he's a little bit bit, bit odd. Um, is, he, is he really box office? Is he really big enough? However, what I do think works massively in Rodgers' favour is that he players really love playing for him it's been true at Celtic it's been true everywhere he's been he just seems to get a tune out of them he seems to create this harmony in the dressing room and I think I think he is a bit of the, like the kind of the player whisperer and I think that's what when Guardiola is having a good year that's what he's doing so well um, and I think that that would be a huge uh, a huge plus point in Rodgers favour if he can come over and sort of win over that squad and get them playing for each other um and yeah, it is the kind of poison chalice. But if you're Brendan Rodgers, that's that really would be the pinnacle, and that would prove it would prove all of your doubters wrong. Um, and speaking of those doubters, you know, I think I think you only have to look at what he's done at Leicester to prove that he was right to leave Celtic when he did. Um, I know the 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 kind of argument was he should have stayed and seen through ten in a row, which obviously then didn't happen. Um, yeah. But but you know, if if he if the Leicester job, you know, it probably didn't come up quite the right time for him. But if he hadn't taken it, he wouldn't be where he is now. Um, so I think he's been totally vindicated, to be honest. Everyone, realistically though, Marley, is going to be a downgrade from Pep Guardiola. And we can talk about how respected Brendan Rodgers is and how great a job he's done at the King Power Stadium. But to replace Pep Guardiola, it's almost, as I say, as I said before, a thankless task. I mean, it's it's almost like you could pick pretty much anyone in world football, bar arguably Jurgen Klopp, and you'll be looking at a step down. Yeah, I mean, that's... That's going to be the issue um, in a couple of years when when Guardiola does eventually go because, you know, do you go with who's hot at the time? Um, you know, there, there could be a, a coach in Germany or Italy who's doing amazing things and do you go with that or, um, you know, thrust him into a job where he's all of a sudden taking over one of the best teams in the world and he's not quite used to it? Do you go with an experienced manager who's been around the Premier League and risk that... Um, not quite having the, the the instant pull of a bigger name, or do you go for like a, a legend of the game whose who's years best years are probably behind him, like like Ancelotti going back to Real Madrid, for example? But that's a tough one. But you can only cross that bridge when you come to it. Um, but you can prepare to cross it, I suppose, with by looking at Rodgers and you know Man City are very um, capable and they're very uh, thorough in the searches these days you know they're, they're not going to leave any stone unturned they're not going, there's not a manager in the world they won't be looking at who's doing pretty well now um and judging them in in terms of like would he be a good fit sort of thing so you know Rogers has done everything he, he can do to be prepared for that job he's succeeded in in every job in my opinion I think he was unfairly ran out of um Liverpool um when he when he left, you know, there were there was that stupid meme going round of him doing of laughing. Um, was it was he laughing at that? He shook someone's hand, didn't he, in the tunnel, and it just wound me up. It was getting like just played everywhere as if he was this like idiot, and it was like he's one of the best managers you've ever had, you bloody idiots! Like st- he nearly won the league with Suarez and and Torres, and then he went backwards and signed Ricky Lambert, Balotelli, and Milan Jovanovic. You know, be careful what you wish for, lads. Um, so it was one of the, it was one of them. Like he's been class for years, so I'd love to see him get the city job if if that you know manifested itself in two years' time. But 
you know, I think Man City are, um, will do their due diligence on this and and pick somebody who uh, who is fully capable of doing the job because that's what, you know, as I said before, it's not going to come as a, as a surprise when Pep leaves. So you've got to be prepared for it when it happens. Off the back of this story on social media, I've seen a few City fans suggesting names like Julian Nagelsmann. But he's he's at Bayern now, though, so he's set he's set for years, isn't he? Yeah, he'll be there for a few years, no doubt, with the quality of players they've got. Uh, Graham Potter, I've seen a name has been linked, but apparently it's too big of a challenge for Graham Potter to to step up. But we don't we don't know that yet because we're not a hundred percent when Pep's going to leave. We have a good idea that it could be probably at the end of next season, I think. So you know, you're looking at possible names some have even suggested um Enrique the former Barcelona manager who uh, allegedly is is kind of ready to leave his role with the Spanish national team at the end of the Qatar World Cup which would then f- uh, follow suit quite nicely um so it's one of those things where you kind of don't really know what the situation is but in terms of someone who knows the Premier League Brendan Rodgers certainly has done that his achievements of being a title winner in Scotland as well as an FA Cup winner uh, and getting Leicester into Europe on a number of occasions also suggests that he does have that mentality to win things. My only question, Callum, would be, and I don't know how you feel about this as a City supporter, the experience in the Champions League. Now, Brendan Rodgers really has only experienced the Champions League on a regular basis when he was the manager of Liverpool. He's been in the Europa League twice now, two seasons in a row with Leicester City. He's also been in the Europa League in the past with Celtic. In terms of the Champions League and the ability to manage in that competition, is it different at all? Is that going to put the City hierarchy off taking Brendan Rodgers on as a replacement for Pep Guardiola when the time comes because of his lack of Champions League experience? Because I think everyone knows City want to win the European Cup. There's no doubt. I think it, I think it depends whether Pep can win it before he goes or not. So I think if if, if they don't get it in the next two seasons, I think they will. That will be the thing that, that swings who comes and. And you wonder if, like, does that mean they go for, like, a Pochettino-type manager? Um, you can't see them going for, like, a, you know, Simeone or Mourinho because that would really be sort of ripping everything up to start again. Um, I, I I wouldn't... I would say that Roger's record in Europe, he's, I think he's done all right with what he's had to work with. Like, I remember um, I remember we played them in a Champions League group game and we didn't. I don't think we beat them either game. Um, but there was a three-all draw at Celtic Park as well where they kind of... I think he was able to to raise them for the big occasions, and yeah, I think he's what limited experience he has had. I think he's he's done as well as could be expected with the clubs that he's had. Um, I also think, yeah, I, I I wonder what City will do. Actually, I wonder what the strategy will be because I can see that they'll want to try and keep it in the Pep Guardiola mould, which means maybe they look at someone who's kind of come through that system already, and you've kind of got two in the Premier League where you've got Arteta and Vieira who both learned the ropes so to speak, um, under Guardiola at City. But then outside of that, managers that play the same way that could bring home the Champions League, it's kind of, it's, it's not, you know, it's not like a absolutely swamped field of, of candidates. Um, but yeah, I, I also I also think that they are very good at planning ahead and I'm sure they've got a couple of names in mind that they're kind of tracking um, at the moment. The left field choice for me would be Bielsa because he actually does play the same way, and uh, Guardiola has based his entire philosophy on him. So if you want to just keep it Guardiola, why not go to the the original? Yeah, it's a very good point, and that would be wild. I think Leeds uh, <laughs> fun, losing Bielsa to Man City it certainly would be good fun. Just finally on this and on that Champions League point, Marley, 
Is there a difference managing in the Champions League to the Europa League? Obviously, you come up against tougher opponents in the Champions League just by the nature of the competition. But Brendan Rodgers has got enough experience managing in the Premier League and in European competition, largely via the Europa League. Do you think that it really does make much of the difference? Do you think these are the sort of trivial things that we talk about on podcasts and get discussed in newspapers and on social media that actually, when it comes down to the nuts and bolts of it, doesn't really matter too much because it's just another competition? Yeah, I think you know it's still football, isn't it? It's not like That's, yeah, it's not like precisely. you've got to you've got to go. Oh, oh crap! I've got to play table tennis on Wednesday, and I need to know the tactics <laughs> about it. It's still it's still the same. So yeah, um, yes, it's different teams, but you look at the amount of like scouting and stuff that's going on now, um, and it's not like you can be unprepared for for um, for a team. You know, it's not like you've never seen it, seen them before. You know, even if you get Sheriff Tiras ball in the bloody uh, Champions League group stage, you still you still can watch the past thirty games and see who the good players are. You know what I mean? So, it's all it's always there. Um, it's just it's more of something that would get uh, used as a stick to beat him with with his, from his haters um, than anything. But I mean, again, you can't really um, you can't really say what that'd be like until he possibly got the job. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. He's, he's someone that's, that's carried around a lot of unnecessary stick, in my opinion, Brendan Rodgers. But um, hopefully, he gets he gets that monkey off his back because that's it's it's completely unjust, in my opinion. Well, interesting coming out of the Daily Mail over the last day or so. Brendan Rodgers will reject any Newcastle advances to become their new manager when Steve Bruce is ultimately fired because he's happy at Leicester, but also perhaps because he's holding out for the Manchester City job when Pep Guardiola calls time on his stint at the Etihad. Interesting conversation. What do you think? Who do you think the new City manager will be? Who do you think the new Newcastle manager will be? Both of them have got current incumbents, but it won't be too long, you'd suggest, before particularly Newcastle might have a new boss. Let us know on social media, at the Sports Social on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram as well, at Sports Social Official. And we've also got a page on Facebook, which you can search for. Just type Sports Social into the search bar and you'll be able to find us there. Time for a quick break now on Football Social Daily and we'll continue our manager chat after the break because Claudio Ranieri has been speaking to the press ahead of his first game as the new Watford manager. We'll be talking about that next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back to the podcast. This is your only seven-day-a-week Premier League podcast, Football Social Daily from Sport Social, part of the Sport Social Podcast Network. A great network, a roster of lots of different podcasts from lots of different sports as well. If you're interested in Speedway, the new series of the Humans of Speedway podcast is out now. You can find that on the Sport Social Podcast Network. All you need to do is head to our website, sport-social.co.uk, click on the podcast tab, and there's loads of different shows there for you to browse through from a range of different sports And also, if you're a Premier League fan that supports a specific club, there's lots of club-specific podcasts there too for you to get your teeth stuck into. Maybe if you're a Watford fan, you'll be interested to hear what people think about Claudio Ranieri's appointment. He's been speaking to the press about his new role as the manager of the Hornets. Can he keep them up? We'll talk about that in a second. But first, I wanted to discuss something which has come out about the international break involving Premier League sides. Manchester City, Manchester United and Liverpool are all said to be clubbing together to fund a private chartered jet 
to fly players home from South America from their respective international camps to make it back in time for the Premier League fixtures at the weekend. Now, this private jet allegedly will cost six figures and will have players like Fabinho and Edinson Cavani on board. Brazil play Uruguay in the Brazilian city of Manaus this week in World Cup qualifying. And this is something that I thought was really rare to see. Rival clubs, City, United and Liverpool, three, you know, the kind of the love triangle of the Premier League at the moment. The three teams that that all really don't like each other in different ways for different reasons, all clubbing together. Is that just proof of how difficult this situation has got involving the international breaks, Callum? Because it's getting a bit wild now. Yeah, I think I think there's also an element here of like you share the cost and you also kind of share the risk as well. So if if it's about players coming back from a red list country, if one of those players contracts the virus, then at least all three clubs are losing two key players. If you get what I mean, I think there's a little bit of like, well, at least we're all kind of in this together and it, it we can sort of spread the spread the kind of the danger and the risk factor here. I think a little bit as well. Um, yeah, I, I think I mean clubs charter planes for players all the time. I think the the, like you say, the strange thing is the the three clubs chartering the same one. It's it would be interesting to be a fly on the wall and and hear the um the conversations that they that they have on board. Um, but yeah, I think this has become a bit of a difficult situation. This is not the first time that South American football associations, particularly, have kind of run into um, resistance uh, against the Premier League over games and and scheduling and travel and COVID and all this stuff together. And I think. It's been a it's been something that will need to be sorted out for the future because it seems to be a little bit unsustainable at the moment. Um, but I think this is a not only is this a symptom of the pandemic, but it's also the symptom of a slightly ridiculous uh, schedule that all top players now face and national teams as well do seem to be playing a lot more games within the breaks as well. Um, and I think it's it's all coming to a head. And I think I can't really see how this sorts itself out until after the World Cup when football can go back to a normal schedule. Because I think that's that's definitely driving it is the fact that we're having a Winter World Cup and then everything else has kind of had to fall in line. Um, but yeah, they, they need to sort it out because this, this can't happen every time. And, you know, we've got an Africa Cup of Nations as well coming up. Is it going to be the same story there? Yeah, it's getting stupid, isn't it? And, you know, I understand the desire for players to represent their national teams and how for some players playing for their national sides is more important than club football whereas I think here in the UK in particular we care more about our domestic leagues and teams than we do about our national team now it's great to see England reach the final of Euro 2020 but I'd rather see Portsmouth win a trophy than England win a trophy and I think that's how a lot of fans feel in this country but it isn't always the same and we need to understand that the Premier League is a is a multicultural league in which there are many players with different viewpoints on this sorts of thing and it's rare to see rival clubs club together in this sort of way. And obviously, we spoke in the last international break, Marley, about this whole situation with the UK's red list when it comes to coronavirus and the countries that are kind of involved in a travel ban on coming to and from the United Kingdom. And that certainly raised a few eyebrows. And there was even that issue between Brazil and Argentina, where you know we have health officials running on the pitch and... Premier League players were banned from representing their own clubs for a period of time and there was quarantines involved and that red list has now been reduced dramatically but as Callum says that international break or the ones that we've had they're beginning to infiltrate the domestic schedule when the whole point of having an international break is that that shouldn't be the case you take two weeks off of the Premier League you get your international fixtures in that window and then therefore the players are back and available and fit and ready to go for the weekend's games that's just not going to happen because 
the time lag between this game between Brazil and Uruguay and the start of the Premier League weekend is almost non-existent. So they're going to be players that might not be available again this weekend due to the international break. Yeah, it's all a bit of a bit of a mess, isn't it? To be honest, I don't quite know how this is this has happened. To be honest, um, I think do, do, is the Uruguay Brazil game. I think that's Friday night, isn't it? And Man United play 1:30 on one thirty a.m. UK time. Yeah. There you go. So, you know, that's... And then Man United play on Saturday, do they? So, you know, that's... I don't know know how that's happened, to be honest. Um, The whole point of an international break is to get international done and and as you say, have the little bit of rest, come home, get back training again uh, and be available for the weekend if you're not injured. So, I don't really know how this has happened, but it has happened and it obviously does drive a wedge between club and country, which is no no good for anyone, Um, especially the player, because the player is understandably you know, like committed to both sides. He wants, he wants to play for his club. Of course he does. He wants to play for his country because of course he does again. So, mm. you know, this is, it is weird. It's a, it's a strange situation. I hope it gets sorted out soon. Cause this is, this, this like, it's just been sort of hanging over the season a little bit and putting a bit of a, a dampener on it. Um, you know, Man United fans want to see a weekend where they don't have to pick Fred in the midfield, so they're hoping he he he, he picks up uh, an injury or something with Brazil. But that doesn't doesn't happen. He comes back and he's like, "Hey, I'm fine." Um, but then Cavani's like, "I'm tired," um, and it's like, "Oh, for God's sake, what well, what's the point in these bloody internationals where Brazil are romping it anyway? They don't even need to risk their players." But it's yeah, it's I don't know. It's just it's one of them things where it, it just keeps happening, and there needs to be a proper solution to this now because there's another international break uh, break in four weeks. Um, so and then luckily after that we see the back of it until March, which is great. But yeah, I mean it's it's every few weeks, and you're losing players. It's no good for anyone really. So just hope it gets sorted out. Yeah, definitely. And I don't think the flight time from Manaus in the Amazon rainforest to London is particularly. Uh, particularly welcoming either I think you know you're looking at a good 10 to 12 hour flight there at the very least to get back from uh, South America to the UK so obviously there's going to be issues there in terms of fitness Jamie Carragher has written quite a scathing article on the international break in the Telegraph this morning where he basically says it's now intruding on the Premier League and intruding on domestic football and uh, it's becoming a bit of a burden now and it's he think I think the words he used were it's lashed the integrity of the Premier League, which I thought was a very <laughs> strong term to use. But um, I can see where he's coming from. Maybe I wouldn't use such strong language, but I think there's another international break in a month's time. So we might even be in the same position again. It is getting ridiculous. And then there isn't one till March, which is always good news. Everyone likes reaching that point of the season. Let's talk about Watford now. We spoke about them last week on Football Social Daily when they appointed Claudio Ranieri as their new manager after Cisco Munoz was sacked. He could pass Roy Hodgson as becoming the oldest Premier League boss, but he'd need to be in situ at Watford for another four years to do that. I think he's only a couple of days away from his 70th birthday. The Italian, who of course won the Premier League with Leicester City in 2016. He says that he could pass Roy Hodgson's record, Callum, but can he really? Is he going to be allowed enough time at Watford to do that? He's an Italian and he said in his press conference yesterday that he understands the culture of the Pozzo family who are the Italian family that own Watford Football Club and he says actually he's quite used to this idea of being sacked pretty quickly if things aren't going well because he says that's the culture of Italian football as well. 
So he's used to it and he knows what he needs to do and he knows what it takes. And he says his first challenge and his first remit ultimately is to keep Watford in the Premier League. So in terms of could he reach the age of 74 and overtake Roy Hodgson's record as the oldest Premier League manager, do you think that's going to happen? Can you see that happening? Uh, I can if he moves to like Newcastle or something after his spell at Watford. Um, no, like, like you say there, he's, it's not it's not Watford's culture. Um, it's not the Pozzo family's culture. And, and you're right in saying as well, it's kind of not really Italian football culture either. So I think, I think it's an odd aim to have. I think it, I think he's maybe being a little bit ironic there when he when he's saying that because he sort of knows that's not going to happen. Um, yeah, I mean, I, do you know what? I'd, I'd love to see it, to be honest, because I think Watford needs stability. Um, if he stays there for that long, that means that they'll have established themselves as a a good Premier League side and I think you know it's hard not to love Ranieri as well just the type of character he is so yeah I think the, the longer he stays there the better from my point of view but I don't think it'll be at Watford somehow yeah I mean there's a, a question of can he stay as long as Roy Hodgson did as a manager of a Premier League club or yes he can but will he is another point entirely Marley isn't it <laughs> yeah um, yeah it's, it's you can't you can't go in with and say with any confidence that he's going to be the man to stay at Watford for you know three or four years and and build them into a solid side because they just don't have that consistency and you know you get you get pelters for for saying things about Watford and not watching them every week and you do I don't think you have to watch them every week to know that they sack the manager every six months or a year or you know sixteen managers in, in eleven years or whatever it's been is is a joke. Um, so you can't say, yeah, Ranieri's going to be the one uh, to, to sort them out and get them solid because at his age, I think his age, even though he wants to continue, I feel like his age is always going to be um, something that makes him easier to sack in the future because if you're thinking about, let's say, let's say he has a two-year contract and he does really well, in that two years you're going to go, he's 72, what do we, you know, do we want to give him another contract or do we want to build on the decent work he's done with someone else, someone younger, someone more dynamic and, and with potentially high, a higher ceiling? But I feel that that's that's where the, the sort of temptation comes with, with Ranieri is to, to, to bin him off after a couple of years. And it doesn't, you know, he probably doesn't deserve that a lot of the time, but he's been around the block more than a few times. So he's, uh, he's probably not seen, he's not going to see anything new. That um, that he's not seen before in his forty-five, fifty-year managerial career, whatever it's been. So, yeah, I hope he does well. Um, but I'm not sure Watford's the uh, the perfect club to to build a long. Put it this way: I'd rent a house in Watford rather than buy one. <laughs> Stay in the Lowry like Mourinho did when he was in Manchester. Get a hotel <laughs> yeah. suite. Um, I definitely agree with what you're saying about Watford, and I think a few Watford fans listening to one of our podcasts last week when we we're at Ranieri was announced weren't too happy with what we were saying uh, about them and their club but that's just our opinion and that's how it looks on the outside and it would be great if Claudio Ranieri can change that and establish Watford but what's the likelihood of that from the evidence we've seen in the past it's going to be difficult to do it Ranieri is an extremely uh, well-respected manager and he's had success many many times across his illustrious career but this is his 21st club and it's a club in which they have a culture for dismissing managers when the going gets tough. So it'll be interesting to see if he can do it. I hope he can because I really like Ranieri. But the evidence from the outside looking in suggests that it's going to be difficult for him to do it. So Ranieri says he could pass Roy Hodgson's record as the oldest Premier League boss. Which means we need to play a bit of a game, lads. We're going to play Premier League manager 
higher or lower. We're going to go higher or lower in terms of age to close out today's Football Social Daily. I've got in front of me a list of the 10 oldest managers to ever take charge of a Premier League game. Now, Claudio Ranieri is on this list. I'm going to start with Claudio Ranieri. We're going to avoid Roy Hodgson and we're going to do higher or lower. So we'll start with you first, Marley. I'll put some nice little quiz music on in the background here. So we'll start with Claudio Ranieri. So I'm going to say to you, Arsene Wenger, higher or lower? In terms of age, when he took charge of his last Premier League game, higher or lower? Younger. Young, lower. Correct. Yes, lower. He is younger. 68 years of age. All right then, Callum. We're on Arsene Wenger, 68 years of age. Neil Warnock, higher or lower? Definitely higher. He's well into his 70s, isn't he? Yes. His last Premier League game he took charge of just a touch under the age of 71. So he's 70 years of age. Well done. So we're level. It's one apiece. Marley? Sir Bobby Robson. Ooh. What, what, what age am I looking at? 70... So Neil Warnock was 70. Right. Just just about to turn 71. Oh, Jesus. And Bobby Robson. How old was he when he took charge of his last Premier League game? Higher or lower uh, than Neil Warnock? I should know this because it was definitely us, wasn't it, wasn't it as well? <laughs> it was, yes. He was bloody ancient, to be fair. When, uh, I'm going to say higher. It is higher. Well done. Yeah. Was he about 73, 4? 71. 71? Oh, wow. Yeah. 71 and 71 and a, and a little bit was Bobby Robson. Next one, Bobby Robson was 71 and a little bit. Sir Alex Ferguson, Callum, higher or lower? So not what age he is now, but what age he was when he retired. What age he was when he took charge of his last Premier League game. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say higher, but I don't think by much. It's lower, but wow. not by much. <laughs> it's lower, but by not much at all. It's very, very close. In fact, there's days in it. Um, really? But un- yeah, days in it. But unfortunately, Sir Alex, slightly younger than Sir Bobby um, in terms of taking charge of his last Premier League game. So, Marley, well done. You're in the lead at the moment. Dick Advocat, older or younger than Sir Alex Ferguson? Um... I'm going to say older. No, he wasn't. Uh, I was going to say younger. I thought there's no way he can be that young, but why would he be in the quiz? And he's just done me there. 68 and a <laughs> half, a little red herring throwing Marley off the scent. He's given Callum a sniff. He's back in it. Okay, Dick Advocat, 68 and a half-ish years of age. Yeah. Harry Redknapp, older or younger? Older, definitely. It's younger, Harry Redknapp. <laughs> younger at s- 67. Which of his dodgy passports was that on? <laughs> yeah. Well, that is are, you thinking of, uh, are you thinking of Rosie Redknapp, the dog? <laughs> that is questionable. Okay. So this is for the win. Marley. Gus Hiddink, older or younger than Harry Redknapp? And Harry Redknapp was 68. 67 and, and, 60. and a bit, uh, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Gus was older. 
Gus was older. Well yeah. done, Marley. Sixty-nine years of age. Nice. Just got his nose in head, right, uh, nose in front, right at the last, and he wins the quiz. What an enthralling quiz that was on Football Social Daily. Yeah, box, box <laughs> Trying to figure stuff. out how Premier League managers box office stuff. Roy Hodgson's still top of the tree, though. No one's going to knock him off. I'm a bit disappointed at the Sir Bobby Robson answer, though, Marley. I thought you'd be all over that one. Well, I got it right. Uh, it's just because he always looked very old, didn't he? <laughs> Especially towards the end of his of his uh, career at Newcastle when we crazily just sacked him for no reason. But yeah, and then I think we appointed Graham Souness as his um, as his successor, and they all went tits up from there, basically. I love Sir Bobby. He handed Sol Campbell the FA Cup when Pompey won it at Wembley. So I'll always remember his smiling face up there in the uh, in the Royal Box at Wembley. Bless him. Um, what a legend he was. Anyway, that's it for today's Football Social Daily. Thank you very much, Marley. Thank you, Callum. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode of Football Social Daily. And we'll also be back previewing the weekend's Premier League action on Friday evening slash Saturday morning, wherever you're listening to the show in the world, with, of course, The Dugout, our brand new show for the season featuring former Premier League players this weekend. We'll have Paul Dickoff and Trevor Stephen with us, so make sure you do join us for that. But that's it for today's episode, and we'll catch you next time on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk.